0: Uh, Yeah, you a golf man? You play golf? I play a little bit of golf. Yeah, I've been so much anymore, but uh, just get on the links, have a couple beers, have a good time. I was just going to say, I've been known to hit 18 and drink (laughs) 6. Drink 6? I've been known to hit 18 and drink 36. Anyway, my name is Dom DiTola. I am one of your hosts here at the Sports Experience Podcast alongside my co-host today, Chris Quinn, and we're getting a little golf action in.
1: Yeah, I like this. We're getting uh, the whole 18 in today. How the about whole that?
0: 18, yes. Yeah. And uh, today's episode is uh, Vijay Singh.
1: Yeah, somebody that uh, I wouldn't say I followed during his career, but uh, I definitely was aware of because he was through this Tiger era of just, like, ridiculous dominance. But we see he's like this other guy. He's like this other guy.
0: Everyone always tries to, like, pit Tiger and Mickelson against each other. Yeah. But this gentleman uh, was ranked number one during the midst of the era of dominant whore-banging Tiger Woods. Well,
1: we've talked about this and possibly bringing a whole podcast on it on how some athletes just, uh, they get into this zone of womanizing and like it's their top game. and But this is this era for Tiger in which he was just dominating. But we see Vijay was just absolutely had so, one of the best Records of consistency.
0: Yeah, he was a very consistent golfer, and he came at a time when nobody thought Tiger Woods was touchable, as far as you know, eclipsing what he was setting in the specific sport.
1: As far as dethroning him as number one too, which is, I mean, in golf you see number one get switched up a bunch, but back then it was just all Tiger. It was all Tiger. But let's get started. When was Alrighty. he? I like I like it to hear when he was uh, born from you. Uh, February twenty second, nineteen. 63
0: in laotoka fiji
1: yep and the fiji thing is so interesting to me because he obviously didn't grow up with any golf courses no uh -uh. and his dad said i hate to say it but golf balls don't fall off trees
0: yeah that was a funny story his dad said uh Golf balls don't fall off trees because they were very expensive and they were kind of poor growing up there uh, out in the uh, South Pacific. But uh, he said, so I found some that did. Yeah. But they weren't golf balls.
1: They were coconuts. (laughs) Which is crazy to think. I'm thinking like how big of the, like, would he go for smaller ones or like would he try and get like unripened ones? Like, I don't know, but I imagine he just pretty much went for a ball. And was hitting
0: it. Yeah. He, um, he would talk about how his dad had worked over at the airport there. Yep. And he would go through like these water drainage systems just to get to the airport so he could go and hit golf balls. Yeah. Golf balls all day. Just work on his game.
1: Yeah. No, it's it was complete dedication to a game that was almost non-existent in this country. That's what's so interesting to me is like in Fiji, I wonder how many golfers there were there probably aren't many a handful yeah maybe i that's mean. that's what i mean especially in this era in in the in the 60s 70s when he's growing up he it's so for him he's pretty much just found this game and he's like i love this game and i'm going to play it to my heart's content because i mean we see he kind of struggles to find himself on the pro circuit. Yeah, he does definitely does that
0: and even as a kid he played a whole bunch of different sports like cricket and soccer and yes. rugby because at the time uh Fiji's part of the British Empire. Um he's actually not a native uh Fijian though. Like a native islander of Fiji, uh, both of his parents are uh Indian. Yeah. Which uh historically if you don't know um in a lot of the old British colonies Um, They would import labor from India and send it all over the world. Like one of the most famous examples is Mahatma Gandhi. He was born and raised in South Africa. Yes. Not from not born and raised in India, even though he's Indian. Uh, The northern part of South America with Guyana, a lot of people live there are Indian from South Asian Indian. Yes. And Fiji, it's pretty much 50-50 as far as Indians and native Fijians. So And that'll come back into play later with as he starts gaining fame.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because there's various bits of racism that come with this where they're not yep. necessarily <laughs> able to identify as Indian. They're not necessarily na- able to identify as Fijian. But we'll, we'll get into that. So I want to start with him on the Asian tour because he talks about not being able to practice on... Pro style golf courses like he wants. So he's pretty much going, this is what I saw in an interview with him. He's pretty much going to public golf courses because that's all he can afford. That's all he can really get on. Mm -hmm. And he said the difference between pro and public golf courses are so much that when he would get out there, he would pretty much be like, Oh shit, this is how we putt. Yeah. Because I mean, that's the big thing everybody says is that's kind of
0: the drawback to his entire game are the differences between the greens of the two types of courses. And if you look at him as a professional golfer, if there's one drawback to his game, it is putting. Yes. because everyone would say if he's putting well, everybody's in trouble.
1: And I feel like it's because he didn't grow up putting like all these other fucking guys yeah. did. like
0: there's no like putting green surrounding the airport in uh, Fiji. Exactly. You know, like
1: exactly when Tiger was growing up, he was doing like six hours of putting every day. You yeah. know, like it's such it was such. That's why I love how great he becomes because he has such a different path than everybody else. Everybody else. It's the most interesting path. I mean,
0: and it's not like it's someone, oh, who can't afford to go to a country club. This guy is barely finding courses to golf on. Yes. Which is absolutely remarkable. But at age 20, uh, 1982, he ends up turning professional. And like you said, he joins the uh, Asian
1: golf tour circuit. Uh, And this is where, right off the bat, we see a bit of controversy with him. So he's really good um, because he wins the Malaysian uh, PGA Championship, but... 1984, yeah. And that's in 1984, so he's he's playing for like two years or so. Mm -hmm. But... Right after that, I believe, it comes with some controversy where he doctors his scorecard. 1985, yeah. And that's an 85.
0: Because he went. He had marked himself for a minus one when he actually had a plus one, okay. which is a two-stroke uh, difference.
1: Yes, yeah. just so he can make the cut. Mm-hmm. Just so he can keep playing golf. Yes. <laughs> um, and I found this really interesting because his stance was he should have just been kicked out of the tourney, and possibly had a a small suspension, which was normal for this kind of rule-breaking. Exactly, yeah. That's not what happened. That is definitely not what happened. Um, The commissioner of the Asian PGA came out and gave him a lifetime ban, which was wild.
0: It's pretty insane to think about for just something like that. Granted, you know, he did screw up
1: and it was later
0: proven that he knowingly did screw up.
1: That's why that's what I heard was their contention was he knew he knowingly cheated and then tried to kind of cover it up and they didn't like any of that and didn't want to be associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um some of it might have to do with bits of racism in this. I'm sure there is a little bit <laughs> because there was something that was said that the a uh, Fisher official, uh, official was from Indonesia, which didn't, you know what? We're not going to get into the political bullshit of, of Asia right now, Yeah. but there was just some kind of stuff behind the scenes where he obviously came out and didn't understand the lifetime ban for this. It should have just been a expelling from the tourney and a, and a small suspension. Yeah. And he...
0: He's almost at rock bottom. Like his professional career is almost over before it really necessarily starts. And he ends up working at a a golf course in
1: uh, Sabah, Malaysia. Which I believe for the mindset that he's probably going through, he's probably just going to be like, well, I'm going to be a golf pro here for the rest of my life. You know what I mean?
0: Like, like, well, I guess this is what the cards
1: have dealt me. Exactly. Because – the Asian tour, um, it's like a hierarchy, a hierarchy. The Asian tour, I believe, is like towards the lower end, especially in this era. It's going to be Asian, European, and then and then what, PGA.
0: Yeah, but it, what he ends up having to do is he ends up playing on. And I love this name too, the this is, Safari Circuit. Oh
1: my God, I had to look more into it to see what it was because it it ends in the '90s, but it's a, yeah. it's an African golf circuit that is a direct feeder into the european pga which i found so interesting because it was a line for these african asian golfers to get into the european line as opposed to the asian exactly yeah it's kind of like the last you know stop yes on the
0: end or it's either the first stop or the last stop exactly so
1: i was gonna say for some africans it's the first for some other country, man, it's definitely like the last chance effort. And he goes in and and really does great. And that's where you see his game really start to form. Yeah. He wins the 1988
0: uh, Nigerian Open there on the safari circuit. And then he's starting to kind of be noticed by uh, the European tour with how good he is. I mean, he obviously can't go back to Asia, but you know, he's finally proving himself as a really good golfer and he's finally getting the opportunity to just reinvent himself
1: real quick a little additive he was able to go on this savari tour because red baron yeah was his sponsor which is outstanding which you know what they had an awful pizza but it was <laughs> always in my refrigerator um he actually wins back-to-back um nigerian he opens, does yeah which i thought was pretty interesting and then his second tr- his second Time trying to qualify for the European uh, PGA, he actually qualifies and and uh, he won the uh, Zimbabwe Open. That's yep. not
0: even the name of the country anymore. Exactly. Or, no, it is the new name of the country. But yeah, exactly. Like playing all over that continent. And-
1: if you're yeah, if you're wondering why the uh, Safari Circuit isn't going on anymore, there's so many coups that happened <laughs> between here and now. It, it's different countries exist. But something that I want to say that he takes from this era of traveling Africa traveling Europe because he kind of does both at the same time is people say he plays more tourneys than anybody else on the circuit
0: and you and you can see this even in his old age this guy just wants to golf he just wants to train and he wants to golf and be the best he possibly can be
1: yeah and I feel like he's had that since he was a kid
0: yeah I mean what else are you gonna do all day yeah I'm going to go to the airport and hit some golf balls. What? What? <laughs> but uh, he, he uh, on the European tour, he wins the uh, 1989 Volvo Open Championship. In Italy. In Italy. And then uh, just continues kicking ass going on that particular tour.
1: Well, I feel like this is where golfers kind of make their line to the PGA. So it's never yeah. like that quick jump. You always have like two or three years in Europe. And you kind of get your feet underneath you. And then he jumps to the PGA in 1993. Uh He finally gets his card and immediately starts winning. Yeah,
0: he he comes out of nowhere. He's just
1: like a shock, a good shock to the golf world. Well, I mean, he's 30 at this point, is he not? Yeah. Most guys are in their early to mid-20s. Exactly, which I feel like is for golf prime. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I have to say like this, but... I want to say he kind of has a later start. So I wouldn't say this is his prime, but he's good enough to come in right away and win and be the 1993 Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he wins the uh, Buick Classic. Yeah. He wins that a few times. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's like like a lot of people say, like some golf courses just are made for some golfers. That one. Yeah. Definitely for him. Yeah. But uh Yeah. 1994 wins the buick
0: open or classic and then uh, 1995 you won the buick classic and the phoenix open
1: yeah you won the phoenix open a couple of times too yeah so- i think that was back before they had that stadium built around the par three but oh it, yeah i think it's right in that era okay of that you know what i mean the asu crowd cheering kind of the complete opposite of what golf should be but right. for some reason it works in phoenix if you know what i mean um <laughs> Yeah, but he's just – he's being a a consistently good golfer, so he's winning about one tourney a year, and then he wins his first major in 1998. Or excuse me, he wins the – in 97, he wins a couple of of tourneys, and then in 98, he wins his first major.
0: Yeah, the 1998 one, that was an amazing weekend for him. Uh, Ends on uh, August 16th, 1998. Um, He finally broke through and won the PGA Championship at – Mish washington golf course yep and uh day
1: two you got to talk about day two day two
0: is when he really kind of turns everything on is he ties a course record for a 66 which means he shot six under par which is insane at a major yeah with golf's best you know stars and he's the brightest star of that weekend it's his like you know, everything from 1985 on has been leading to this moment where he finally breaks through. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here. And uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs.
1: Well, this is where, so from like 85 on, I bet everybody was looking at him as a good golfer, like he could win a tourney. This was the... The PGA Championship was the time where everyone was like, oh, shit, this guy is, like, serious. With that 66, with the, you know, just the way he won it, and yeah. Yeah, he won by
0: two strokes over a gentleman named Steve Stricker. Yep. Yeah, and uh, he parlays that into another victory a couple weeks later uh, on uh, August 23rd. Actually, the next week, uh, 1998, he won the Sprint International. Yeah. So he's finally... In that mix of the golfers to watch, the best golfers on the tour.
1: Exactly. And this is, I want to point out, this is right when we get the injection of money. Yep. So, like, if you look at the earnings, it skyrockets so much from about 98 onward. It's its insane. Yeah. No, it totally is. And it's- that has to do with him, Tiger. I feel like a lot more of this non-monochromatic Yes, thing, exactly. you know what little, I mean. A little more
0: uh, diversity in golf. Exactly. Gone from the safari circuit and the uh, Nigerian in Zimbabwe opens to winning the PGA championship.
1: That must have been so awesome. And it's not a huge time from, you know what I mean? No. It's a decade. So, yeah. like, I'm just saying, like, that's really, really, I mean, yeah. I got to give it up to him because, I mean, we were talking about it in 87, 88 He's really thinking about not playing golf professionally or or it's probably being batted around his head.
0: Yeah, he he's probably having at least doubt.
1: Oh, he has to. I like, mean,
0: they threw me off the Asian Tour. Where am I going to go? Exactly.
1: Which yeah, and then a decade later, PGA champion with a with a tie on a course record which I'll I'll never I mean, it's so crazy for me. I don't know how good a golfer you are, but uh, when I shoot 100, I'm like, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, get that one birdie in. And you're like, I don't know how it happened, but I'll take it. Plus seven on the next hole at the very least. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's when I stopped counting, but I still attempt it. But so he has he some wins, but then let's talk about 2000. Yeah. You know what? He, he wins the Honda Classic
0: in 99 and then on... April 9th, 2000, gold he jacket becomes a legend.
1: Green jacket, who, who gives, gives a, a shit? shit. <laughs> you know what? That's one of the best lines, but we're definitely not talking about how the Masters isn't amazing because he goes on and, and wins a Masters, wins a gold, uh, green jacket. Excuse me. I'm getting all mixed up in my own mind, <laughs> um, which has to be so awesome and is one of my favorite trophies because it's kind of a silly look, but then when you see them all up there, you're like, oh, I get it. Yep. I get it.
0: A tradition unlike any other, as famed douche canoe Jim Nance always says.
1: Oh, I wish they would switch those guys out, but that's all right. What's the one guy that's amazing? I can't think of his name. I don't know. Golf announcer.
0: Oh, Vern Lundquist was always good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Happy Gilmore, too. He was in there. Yep.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. Um. Oh, so we beat uh, Ernie Els in this one by three strokes, but it was, a, it was a a dominant victory for the Masters, kind of is what people were saying was like... Yeah. You can kind of see like, oh, shit, he's going to be really good. 2001, he actually doesn't have any wins, but one of the things I thought was so crazy was he had 14 top 10s. And it's almost like when we talked about in that Payne
0: Stewart episode, yep. it's like even if he's not winning... He's in the mix on the final weekend of every tournament he's playing in. So with zero wins, he was
1: fourth on the money list. That's
0: what I find so crazy. yeah. And we'll get into the money list uh, a few
1: years later. But yes, yeah, he, yes, he is just raking in dollars because he. And I want to say this is guys will go through an entire year and play fourteen events. If yeah. that makes sense, like he'll play. 28 30 events or however many he can that's why he has so many top 10s and because he's so good yeah so like yeah i I, it's that's why i love looking this shit up is i I, vj singh for me i remember watching a lot of these you know because you would watch with tiger and all this in this era and yeah he, he was great
0: yeah and then in 2002 he's back on the uh you know winning streak he's winning the shell houston open which he did end up winning a couple it seems he's winning all the same events like when i was looking through them it's like there were just certain courses that really spoke to him yeah or he could really end up dominating on i Um, tried
1: to look more into that like what it was but there really wasn't i bet that's some real inside baseball golf talk where they were like look the greens are just not that rough. And then, mm-hmm. he, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But then in November of that year, he won the tour championship over
0: Charles Howell III. So, I mean, like, at this point, you're not talking about, like, who the hell is Vijay Singh? Where no. did this guy come from? You're just like, Vijay Singh's in this tournament, and if he's not going to win, he's going to be in the top ten.
1: Exactly. No, this is – he establishes himself so well in this early 2000s that – I mean, we, we're, we're leading up to it. We're leading up to it. Um, 2003 is when this all starts Do going you want to well. talk a little bit with his controversy 2003 and then get into some good shit? Because I, I say controversy, but it's really not. That's why I want to address it.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about his controversy. Um, so in 2003, um, a woman who actually went to the U of A, who yep. was one of the best uh, female golfers ever, Annika Sorenstam, Uh, She was trying to be the first woman to play in a male PGA event since Babe
1: Zaharias. Did did we talk about her on the podcast? Hold up. Yeah. Did she fly across country and drink a hundred beers? Was Uh, that who that was? I think it was. She (laughs) rode a horse
0: around uh, Yankee Stadium. No, Babe Diedrichson Zaharias, one of the best female athletes ever. She was actually the first... Until Annika Sorenstam in 1945 when she played in the Los Angeles Open against the dudes. And uh, when Sorenstam was uh, attempting to play, Vijay made some, uh, he
1: had some choice words for her. So he had, he was talking shit on her coming in, but he was misquoted in something. I want to talk about the era yeah. After I get into this misquote, but what he said was he kind of didn't feel like she should have been in it because she was taking away spots from guys who essentially made the right path. So they were kind of giving her a spot. If that yeah, makes they, sense.
0: they were going to give her a spot over golfers, and I think a lot of this stems from how hard he had to work and the insane, like wonky path he had to take yes. to become a professional golfer because I think he put himself in those other guys' shoes yes. who were fighting to get on the tour and fighting to get in these events and
1: been like, no. Because he he said he wasn't against a woman competing in an open. He just wanted them to make it like all the other golfers. Yeah, to qualify, to qualify
0: essentially. essentially. Which yeah. I,
1: I actually agree with that, but then... Where he gets bogged down is they ask him if she would be paired with him. Yeah. How would they, how would that go? And his response was, we wouldn't be paired because I would be in a champions pairing. Um, with another champion because yeah. that's like TV shit. So they try exactly. and put two guys together so they can. It's and like, I'll be golfing with Tiger. She'll be uh, well, golfing that's, with somebody else. Yeah, it's it's not. He's not being a dick. He's just being like, no, like we literally wouldn't be paired. And then what came out was, and I swear to God, it was something like this: Brown asian possibly muslim said he would never <laughs> golf with the woman by his side and he had to come out and defend it multiple times and be like i didn't say that that's a hundred say
0: that i said she doesn't belong if she can't qualify
1: yeah and that's and that's we see this era of i hate to say it sensationalizing but yes and that's this is the beginning it is. of it and the anti- Almost like not understanding who these people are because he's like Hindi. He didn't have this idea that women shouldn't do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just complete misunderstanding, misquoting, sensationalism, bad reporting, all all of it. Just
0: people looking for headlines and people with an ax to grind trying to be a dick. Exactly. Should he have said it? Probably not. But I can understand why he said it. And the fact, no, I'll be in the champions thing because that's exactly where he would have been.
1: That's what I mean. I feel like he was just like giving facts and they're like, I got you on that. Like he wasn't, that was my big thing because I remember this and I remember because we brought up who we talk about outside of the podcast. We talk about like, who should we do this? And I remember thinking that Vijay Singh came out talking shit on Annika Sorenstein. Um, getting that opportunity that was the narrative that I heard and I didn't research it enough like I did this time so this is one of those things I'm so glad I went back and researched on because it was like it wasn't the opposite but it definitely wasn't that.
0: No for sure it was just him bluntly saying how he felt and it wasn't like he was lying or being chauvinistic or anything it was just him being like yeah cool
1: that's the other thing I hate about A lot of these athletes aren't allowed or public figures aren't allowed to be as blunt as you could see they want to be because it just backfires for no fucking reason. All right, I'm getting angry. Let's get into 2003, which was his best year. Oh, yeah. Outside of this little controversy. One, which uh, is in it's not
0: even a controversy. No, I mean, he won four tournament or yeah, nine tournaments, I believe. Or no, it's four. Yes. eighteen top 10 finishes. And he was the tour money leader.
1: Yep. Not Shooter McGavin
0: this not year. Not Shooter McGavin,
1: not Tiger the whore banger,
0: Vijay Singh.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a couple of outstanding things that he did on this. He shot a 29 on the back nine of uh, the U.S. Open, which is one of those ridiculous... That, that's insane. Yeah. That's just freaking absurd he didn't actually win the u.s open on that he had a a really bad day but that's just to shoot a 29 on a on the yeah whatever on a nine hole on a nine it's insane but Um, uh
0: yeah wins the phoenix open again you know he earned more than one million dollars more than tiger did that year Give me, a, give me a number, because I have the number here, and I thought it was pretty fucking ridiculous. He won $7,573,907 for hitting a golf ball.
1: It's so insane, and that's not sponsorship money. That is straight up no tourney winnings. And he finished
0: runner-up to Tiger that year for PGA Player of the Year. People thought he
1: probably should have won that year, but Tiger had that you know he had
0: that almost grand slam type yep. deal going there in that era so it's like all right fine but
1: 2004 you can't he, take it away from And him. I was going to say he starts it off like he was doing he does the he wins the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am even though uh Bob Barker doesn't show up this he year He does
0: not and that annoying guy played by Joe Flaherty yelling ex- expletives at him from the woods
1: another great so he has a lot of these great little uh, achievements. Another one is he. Uh, this is his 12th consecutive top 10 finish.
0: Which for a sport as hard as golf it's against insane. the best golfers to finish in the top 10, 12 straight times. How do you even do that? I mean, it's not the record. No, but but my God, he was close. I was
1: going to say, I think he's, that's the closest we will ever see. Yeah. Because golf changing whatever... Whatever you want to talk about, that twelve consecutive top tens is probably the closest we'll ever see. I think the record is fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. But uh, yeah,
0: but then won his third major. And won his third major. Yeah. Um. Eight uh, August fifteenth, two thousand four. He wins his PGA Championship. His second PGA Championship.
1: Tonight. And this this was really an interesting one because. Yeah, it was a three-way at the very end. Not yeah. a good three-way, whoa, but a three uh, three-person playoff. <laughs> it's a three-person playoff, and he was actually the in his final round. He shot a seventy-six. Yeah, which was the highest highest final round for a winner since '55. But and then he probably could have closed it out in, a, a bunch of times. That's yeah. what people were saying. Was just like he had an awful round, and then the first playoff hole he birdied, and yeah. everyone was like, "Oh shit, there you go." Yeah, because. He had a he had a great weekend leading into it, and then Sunday you just have a really bad. I mean, but he was so he had golfed so well prior exactly. to that that it
0: kept him in the mix, and he ended up beating uh, Justin Leonard and Chris DeMarco. Yep. So, but yeah, named PGA Golfer of the Year this year made. So much money. So, like, 2004 is, like, the pinnacle for
1: this I was going to say, we got to talk about September 6, 2004, when the Deutsche Bank, and he overtakes Tiger as the number one, after Tiger had been number one in the world for 264 weeks. Oh, totally. It's crazy. And that's what we were talking about with Tiger was number one for... All of this time, and then we see VJ come in and finally overtake him. After, I mean, how many wins does he... He has to have a year with four wins. He has 12 consecutive top 10s. Yeah. And this is when he finally overtakes Tiger as number one. And
0: it's in this
1: era where he's
0: the only other number one that's not Tiger. Yeah. I think it's 32 weeks he spent as the world's number one ranked golfer because he... Uh, surpassed Tiger, then Tiger took it back. Took him, it back, but then t- uh, VJ took it back again. Yeah, which is like unbelievable.
1: No, yeah, it's really the 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 story that this guy has. Going from we we brought it up again, going from getting bar- barred from Asia for life to <laughs> being one of the greatest golfers in the early two thousands with Tiger. A lot of
0: people get barred from Asia for life, but it's for a lot of other not-golf things. I
1: heard Dom can't go to Vietnam, but that's for a different reason. (laughs) Non-golf, it turns out it's cricket-related. I'm not going to get into it today. Cricket (laughs) injury-related? Yeah. uh, you got to understand crumpet before you understand cricket. cricket.
0: (laughs) Casey Jones. All right. Uh, He wins the Sony Open in uh, 2005. Um, but this is the year that he had lost but regained it from tiger. he had three other wins later well this is in where tiger
1: wins that uh wins the masters yeah this is a famous tiger kind of bullshit year but then we see that's why tiger overtakes him but then we see him get elected into the Hall of Fame yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. He was the youngest living person to be elected because he's I mean at this point he's kind of old he's older than everybody well, yeah. else and this is where I want to get into right now is over forty. He eclipses the player with the most amount of wins, and i don't th- I don't know if we'll see anybody in the p g a tour over forty with the most amount of wins. he has twenty two right now yeah it's
0: it it's not even close, yeah, and because most of the guys when they're accumulating these wins start in their early to mid twenties, yep. He's winning championships at an age where you're not supposed to. Where guys are like winding down their career and, and like maybe we'll have for the one your tour, yeah. yeah. Like maybe they'll have just one weekend, bat out of hell style. But
1: no, it doesn't happen. Or, Everybody I mean, thought VJ actually was going to go into the what do they call it, the championship tour? Yeah, and I mean he's there now, but I mean, but be- they thought they thought he was going to go in there like seriously, like 2008, 2009. But he kept playing, kept winning. And yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, winning these Barclays
0: tournaments, like you know, two thousand six through two thousand eight, you know, you're the guy that I want. I want to emphasize this is just he loves golf. He yeah. loves training and he loves playing golf. He's not somebody that's going to sit idly by while his career winds down. He's going to keep competing for better or worse, no matter where his skills are at.
1: Well, I want to bring this up um, going going back because golf had. A stigma that they attach to weight training. Yes. And VJ and Tiger were the two guys that literally would go lift weights every day and showed what improvement it had on their golf game
0: yeah and they're not trying to necessarily get jacked or no anything, no is they were weight training to improve their bodies and help condition and make themselves better
1: and you see every single golfer now does that
0: yeah exactly and while he had you know some knee and back issues kind of in the late 2000s who knows how worse it could have gotten if he wasn't weight training yeah And then uh, he did run into that deer antler spray thing. Did you see that? I
1: saw that, which I felt bad for because here we come with the more racism. I I distinctly remember it. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's get into it. He bought this spray for his skin, right?
0: Yeah, Ray Lewis had used it um, later in his career with the Ravens, and there was a lot of controversy surrounding it.
1: So, well, what's it supposed to do? That was my, like... I, I think didn't... it's
0: something for your joints and, okay. like, you know, to help improve, like, muscle recovery and stuff. Okay. So it's illegal. It, you're not you're not allowed to use
1: it. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the PGA came out and tried to suspend him, and then he said that he had no idea, and he actually sued the PGA. And, and they settled it. Yeah, settled. He, went, he went after him. Like, yeah. he, he has shown that he will never back down. No, I like that. I definitely like that, because it seemed very silly in the in the time
0: you yeah know? but he ends up uh joining the senior tour yep ends up joining the senior tour there in the uh mid to late 2010s and uh 20 teens and uh when the 2017 uh bass pro shops uh tournament with uh, carlos franco there in april of 2017 and yeah. then uh 2018 won the toshiba classic and then uh later that uh year uh he won the uh senior players championship in a playoff
1: yeah I thought that was pretty cool which
0: is like man this dude has 34 career wins and you never would have thought he would have got there
1: no yeah that's why I love these stories of these guys with a different path than everybody else and I bet he has some great stories about playing golf literally on like every continent that you could At, yeah in that era you know what I mean he went through them all well I mean when you think of PGA Tour
0: players You know, with the possible exception of like a Payne Stewart who had to kind of start off in Asia, it's usually guys that just jump right into the PGA or guys that go from Europe to the PGA.
1: Exactly. Maybe they do one or two years in Europe, but everybody sees like, oh, they're not going to be here next year kind of shit. Yeah. This
0: this guy's golfing uh, in Zimbabwe on a safari circuit. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. Two Nigerian Open.
1: Yeah, The two Nigerian. double
0: Nigerian Open champion, Vijay Singh. But uh, uh, he's a great ambassador for golf because much like Tiger, he is not of the Caucasian persuasion. Exactly. So he, uh, you know, from Fiji, Indian by descent. Um, in May 2005, he was their goodwill ambassador yep. to kind of try and heal the tensions between Indians and native Fijians there on the islands there.
1: Yep, because like we were saying, there's definitely various uh, racisms and yes, things like the, that that occur between these two nations. Um, and he is definitely someone that should be bringing them together because, I mean, he's, he's such a just public such, figure. Exactly.
0: And he rose from almost nothing, golfing outside an airport with coconuts that his dad found.
1: Yeah, I still want to know exactly what that meant, like with the coconuts. Were they well, full sizes? Just, no, they're not full
0: sizes, <laughs> but when they're on the top of the tree and they're like that big, yep. you can maybe golf ball size and then go and whack them. But uh, he did run into a little bit of controversy last year, which is kind of funny tying it all back into the Soren stamp thing. Yep, he tried to go into this Corn um, Ferry Open where uh, kind of amateurs and people looking to stick and stay on the tour were playing, and uh, he wants to play because he loves to golf. And a lot of his contemporaries, or I shouldn't say a lot, there were some of his contemporaries like Phil Mickelson was defending him, saying like, "It's Vijay Singh. If he wants to play golf, he can play golf." Yeah. But there were some other people, uh, most notably a Brady Schnell, um, who called him a turd and a true piece of
1: trash. Well, he felt like he was taking a spot away from somebody else, an amateur that could have gotten it, which is exactly what VJ was talking shit on Annika for doing. So it's kind of like one of those things. But I agree with Phil on this one. If VJ wants to play some golf, we're going to let him play some golf.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's going to draw how many people to that tournament? He's one of the biggest names in the entire sport. He's in the Hall of Fame. I yeah. Mean, come on. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's VJ Singh,
1: everybody. Hey, everybody. This is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say, give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Tolo Dominic and myself, C Quinn Comedy. So give us a follow all around. Um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.